0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My dear brothers, my dear sisters in Christ. One of the most terrifying questions that anyone can ask you is the question, Are you ready? Whether you're a teacher or a student, wondering if you are ready for that new school year to start can be terrifying. You're standing on the edge of a cliff, being harnessed into the bungee, ready to jump, and you're asked, are you ready? It can send chills down your spine, it can send a shock of electricity through your veins, right? Readiness. It's so elusive it's so abstract it's hard to grasp because we talk about readiness in different ways right depends on the situation a young man who's been dating a girl for a while wants to know if he's ready to take that next step and propose to the love of his life so he asks his dad dad am i ready to get married and what might the dad say Well, you'll know when you're ready. Speak of readiness like an intuition, like a gut feeling, right? Somebody, a student preparing for the STAR test here in Texas, or the ACT, or the SAT, or the BAR, or whatever it is, might wonder, am I ready to take this test? But finally, sometimes you won't know you're ready until you take the test. Readiness is a quality to be discovered when put to the test. But by and large, readiness is not so complicated, right? Readiness can be a cold, hard fact. You're not ready for school until your books and pens are in your backpack. You're not ready to be deployed until your paperwork is filed and you get your hair cut. You're not ready to go on vacation until your tickets are purchased and your boss knows the dates that you'll be gone. This morning, whenever you're watching this video, Jesus wants us to be ready for that last day, that triumphant day when Jesus will come back and call his saints to himself and bring us into heaven with him that last, final, saints' triumphant day that we also call Judgment Day, because it's coming. History is moving along a solid line, a straight line, heading toward a single day when Christ comes back as we confess in the creed to judge the living and the dead. The day is coming. Are you ready? In this gospel lesson for today, Jesus is getting us ready by provoking us to ask ourselves that question, am I ready for when he comes back? But let's be careful not to make readiness any more complicated than it needs to be. Jesus leads us to ponder these things when he tells us this parable, a parable, a story with a point. Jesus begins at that time when judgment day comes. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bride. In our culture, our day and age, we have a number of traditions and ceremonies regarding weddings. A bride and a groom, once they become engaged, they'll pick their bridesmaids and their groomsmen. There will be a tasteful bachelor, bachelorette party. Usually the week of the wedding, there will be a rehearsal, maybe at the church or wherever the wedding's being performed. After the rehearsal, there will be a dinner, and then the wedding ceremony happens, and then the couple's married. In Jesus' day, the wedding traditions were just a little more complicated, a little more ceremonial, let's say. The betrothed, the male and the female, the the man would travel to the bride's house, pick her up, There would be some ceremonies there would be some celebrations there but then he would bring her back to his house and so in the scene that jesus is painting for us today there are bridesmaids he calls them virgins because that's what they were that were waiting for the groom to come and their job would have been to help the bride get ready the groom would probably come after the sun had already set hence the lamps that we see them have. And before we think that this is a happy scene, that this is a hunky-dory scene, that everything's going to go fine, Jesus is very clear that of the ten virgins, the ten bridesmaids, there are two separate groups. Two groups with very different approaches to life. Two groups with very different mindsets. Jesus explains Five of them, the virgins, the bridesmaids, were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Five were foolish, five were wise. They all brought their lamps, the lamps that were kept burning because of the olive oil that was inside them, but only one group, the wise ones, brought any extra oil. That's readiness, preparedness, the practice of foresight, right? Thinking ahead, knowing that everything was going to happen when the groom finally arrived, but who knows how long he's going to be. Who knows how long he's going to take and how dark it is going to be when he's here. We're probably going to need our lamps. We're probably going to need a little extra oil. So they bring it. Now, that's wise. That's readiness. They were ready, but the foolish bridesmaids, the foolish virgins, they didn't prepare. They didn't think ahead. They brought their lamps. They probably knew something about how the the groom would be a long time in coming. But for some reason, they don't go through the extra effort of getting ready some more oil. You can call it a lack of foresight. Maybe it was just straight up laziness. Call it what you want. But the consequence is that when the groom does show up, they're not ready for him. Jesus is telling us this, not so that we can criticize the foolish virgins, but so that we can see something that's true about ourselves. When we examine our own readiness, there's a certain amount of foresight, a certain amount of effort that we should think about. But effort is not our forte. I have no doubt that you watching this video are a very hard worker, that you often put lots of effort into things. But we don't put, things, put effort into things that won't pay us back. We tend not to put effort into activities that do nothing for us. Work smarter, not harder is the mantra, right? And you see this play out in several ways. I mean, you you walk past a desk, and a sheet of paper is on the desk, and on that sheet of paper is the problem, the math problem, two plus two equals question mark. You can't help but just hear and see the number pop into your head. It's four, two plus two equals four. No effort required there. You walk past the same desk, a sheet of paper is there that says 27 times 63 equals question mark. That one would take a couple minutes. That one would take me sitting down and either getting out a calculator or really trying, that, that my, trying out my mul- multiplication tables. So what's usually going to happen? I won't do it. It takes too much effort. Not worth your time, Right? We are constantly making this call of what activities are worth our effort, worth our time, and which are not. And it applies to our relationship with God, doesn't it? God tells us these things in his word. Sometimes they seem to us like a 2 plus 2 passage or a 2 plus 2 verse, 2 plus 2 teaching. Easy enough to understand, easy enough to apply, to live, to put into practice to appreciate, but then you get into these concepts in the Bible that God tells us about that are more like that 27 times 63 passage, that take a minute, that take some effort to understand, to apply, to put into practice. Passages that tell us things that are hard to understand or that contradict a certain view of life that we used to have. Or that tell us that a behavior that we were used to doing, we shouldn't do anymore. That takes effort. For instance, Jesus tells us to forgive. The concept is pretty easy, right? We can understand the concept of forgiveness. But the effort happens when we realize that Jesus is talking about even the people who aren't sorry. That takes effort. And you find that you have to forgive that person again and again. The effort doesn't go away. And it's hard. So what we usually do is maybe come up with a justification for not putting in that effort. We might say back to Jesus, but you don't know how hard this person, how this person has hurt me. You don't know how hard it is to forgive them and we will sidestep putting in the effort to actually putting into practice what he says. Or another example. Jesus tells us to love our enemy. You know how hard that is. Your enemy, by definition, is not your friend. Your enemy is somebody who disagrees with you, who holds a contrary view than you do about life, about everything in general, and who isn't afraid to tell you that they don't appreciate your viewpoint. That kind of person is hard to love, are they not? So we might sidestep what God says about the way we should treat our enemies by saying that our anger against them, our hatred, is justified, is actually righteous, actually serves a good purpose. But what are we doing if not just getting out of putting in the effort? Jesus tells us to put our trust in him and him alone, not in in an individual, in a human authority, in finances, in, in ROI, in the bank account, in anything but him. But how hard that is when things are good, when the bank account's full, and we feel secure. How even harder it is When the bank account's empty, when the human authorities are not the people we would have picked, how much harder it is then to say that we trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. It takes effort, brothers and sisters. And by nature, we are not thrilled about putting in that extra effort. We would prefer a two plus two kind of Bible. Something easy to understand that never challenges us, never contradicts us, never tells us to do anything that we're uncomfortable with. But what's the cost of avoiding that effort? It's not being ready. What happens to those foolish virgins that didn't think ahead to the last day, to the day that the bridegroom was going to come back? What happened to them? Jesus says, The virgins who were ready went, with, went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. The foolish virgins thought incorrectly that there was going to be time to get things in order when the bridegroom had come. But they find out the hard way, that when he arrives, time is up. There is no later on. And for us too, Jesus is preaching against any sort of spiritual laziness that we might have in our hearts. There is not going to be a later on. There is not going to be time later to get our spiritual acts together, to all of a sudden start listening to what Jesus has to say. No, the time is now, because he could come back at any second. And with me, are you kind of terrified about that? Are you kind of scared? Because you look at yourself, you look at your heart, and you see all the spiritual messes that need to be cleaned up, The sins that you and I still cling to, that we haven't gotten rid of out of our lives. The sinful attitudes and behaviors, the ones that we know about, and knowing that there might even be stuff that we don't know about that we keep letting happen. Now, insofar as we are concerned, we will always be works in progress, and maybe not so much progress. We are not ready in as much as ourselves for the bridegroom to come back. We're not ready. There are too many problems in here. But let's not make readiness more complicated than it needs to be. Because you are ready for the bridegroom to come back. The same Jesus that preaches to us in this parable is the one who tells you that you are ready for when he returns. Now, how can we be so certain that when Jesus does his second coming, when he arrives for the second time, that we will be ready to meet him and to join the saints in a triumphant wedding hall? It's because of what he accomplished for you at his first coming at his first arrival. 2,000 plus years ago when God Almighty took on human flesh, was born a baby, and placed in a manger. That was his first arrival. His mission. To save you. See, your bridegroom had already arrived once to prepare you to to go through the necessary ceremonies. He lived for you. He died for you. And from the cross, he declared that it is finished. He declared that your sins are forgiven, that the work of your salvation is completely done. You are bought and paid for. You are ready. You are on the track to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. That's you already through him because he has washed you through his blood, he has declared you innocent in the courtroom of God, and he has labeled you, marked you one of his own, his saint, his holy one. You are ready, because you are already his. You're going to that wedding hall. Dear Christian, you and I are something like a Duckbill platypus, a walking contradiction. We are already ready, already declared innocent, already forgiven. Yet Jesus calls us to be prepared, to get ready, to stay ready for when he comes back, to keep watch. Now, how do we do that? How do we get ready, fellow saints who are ready, How do we prepare for him to come back? How does Jesus prepare us for when he comes back? It's the same as those wise virgins. The same as the rest of the saints who have gone before us. Everyone who has passed away, who you might mourn, who this church family remembers and mourns, was prepared for that day the same way. What did the wise virgins do? They used what was at their disposal. What is at our disposal? The word about Christ. That sweet, life-changing gospel that has healed us of our spiritual laziness, has placed in us a new heart, that has never left the scene. That has always been beside God's people, but to put it to use. You got a Bible? Read it. You got hands? Fold them in prayer to God. In so doing, you're preparing for his next coming. It's true, there will not be time later to get our spiritual acts together. It's true that we are works in progress. But it's God who makes the progress. And the way that he does that is the same for you as every believer who has lived, every believer who has died. God works on our hearts through his message of grace through the Bible. When it is read, when it is discussed, when it is preached, when it is shared, God is there preparing his saints for that final triumphant day. For the same reason, God gives us the sacraments, holy baptism and the Lord's Supper to prepare us with the forgiveness of sins and the peace of knowing that we are at one with him, that we are in union and communion with him to prepare us for that last day. God's grace is what preps you for his next coming. And God gives you each other. Christians watching this video, members of Trinity Lutheran Church, members of any church where the true gospel is preached, God grants us one another to sharpen each other, to study together, to worship together, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to bring to one another those truths in Scripture that might be tough, but are worth the effort to dig into. God will use you to sharpen and to prepare a brother or a sister for Christ's next coming. Can you imagine? That you're the oil in the jar. This is the the same truth that has always been the case. God preps his saints. Jesus prepared you for his next coming by completing what he did on the cross and by rising from the grave, declaring once and for all, That you're going to heaven with him, that you won't be treated as your sins deserve, and Jesus continues to get you ready for that day through the gospel, through the continuous hearing of that good news, through your growth in the Word, your growth in your understanding, you're engaging with those challenging truths of Scripture. You're Christian, dear fellow saint, you are ready. Now get ready. It's true that our sinful nature in us is still lazy. We'll still rebel. We'll still fight against any effort to do what God wants or to hear what God says. Join with me in telling our sinful natures to be quiet. Because we're getting ready. We're getting ready for our, for our bridegroom to return. And to finally take us home. Until then... We're just getting ready. Dear Christian, you are ready. So, get ready. Amen.